I hope that you want to see God's name proclaimed all over the world. And guess what? Uh, it begins, look, right down at your feet in, in just, a, just a square, well, one or two feet, however big you need for your feet to be in. It begins right here, right now, in your heart. And so, God, have your way with me is our prayer for this morning. Uh, so excited that you're here as part of Northside Baptist Church. Whether you've been here for a while or whether you're a guest, we're excited to have you. If you are a guest, we'd love to know a little bit more about you and have a record of your visit, know how we can minister to you. There's a portion of the bulletin that you can that you can fill out and, and tear out, place in the offering plate, or give it to a minister at the end of the service. We'd love to know who you are. Um, and uh, it's just, it's a great day to be in God's house. Uh, we got had some rain last night, you know. The, the flower, the, the crepe myrtles are starting to come back. I know some people thought we had killed them, but they're starting to come back and they're blooming. Uh, it's, it's a good day and, and God's doing a new work uh, right here, right now. Uh, find somebody and, and, and let them know that you're excited to see them this morning.
That's a new song, so you didn't miss out if you're like, I've never heard that before. Sounded great. Good job. For the day.
God, we just thank you for this uh, opportunity to come to your house and praise and worship you this morning. Just thank you for all your many blessings. Just ask that you take these tithes and offerings to further your kingdom. In your heavenly and gracious name, amen.
bien hecho, muy bien. Yeah. I, uh, I asked the children to come down forward here, come, come down front with me. And some of y'all know, I, I, I spent five months in Mexico City when I was in college. And I just got, I just got to tell this story right here. Um, but do any of you children know how to say thank you in Spanish? Anybody know? Gracias. Okay, do you know how to say goodbye? Adios. So I was in church service, and they kept saying, thank you, goodbye, thank you, goodbye. I thought, why are they doing this? Well, listen, adios, if you split that up just a little bit, it's to God. They were saying, thanks to God. I thought they were saying, thank you, goodbye, like after the offering. Thank you, goodbye. But uh, that's not what they were saying. It's not what they were saying. And so I learned, gracias, adios, and uh, listen. If you've never been on the international mission field or worshiped in another language, let me just tell you, it's, it's a little bit of a glimpse into heaven. I don't know what language we're going to be celebrating and around the throne in, um, but when you don't fully understand the language, but you fully understand that we're all in God's church and we're all worshiping together, there's something that's just, I don't know, it's transformative in that, in that moment. And so, uh, anyway, didn't mean, to, didn't mean to preach to the choir this morning, but... Let's talk about this right here. All right, what what do I have here? What are these? Gloves. Now, what do gloves help you do? They, uh, they help you garden. All right, let's see. Ready? Go garden. It's not doing anything. It protects your hand? All right, let me just say. All right, now, so if it protects my hand, like if I'm working with something and... Uh, the, and, and uh, Let's say I'm on a driving nail and I'm about to hit it with, with, with the hammer. Will that glove just jump over here and step in the way? Woo! It, you put it on your hand and it protects your hand. I have to put my hand in it? Yes. Oh, so it doesn't just do it on its own. It doesn't just do it on its own. You're, well, you're, you're right. You guys are, are pretty good. Uh, even this one, look, it's got, it's got a special double stitching here. It's got an extra patch of, of uh, leather right here to protect your hands. But, you know... If we just look at the glove and tell it uh, to protect or, or tell it to go garden or tell it to uh, uh, lift up something, it doesn't, doesn't really work just by telling it to, right? Well, listen, it's a, little bit, it's a little bit like living the Christian life. Jesus tells us, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. But you know what else he says in that passage? Oh, guess what? Hey, I will be with you always. And then in Acts 1.8, he says... After the, after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive what? Power. You will receive power and you will be my witnesses. And so just like this glove doesn't really do much unless there's something inside it, now with my hand inside it, it can do all kinds of things, can it? It can, it can really be utilized the way it's supposed to be because there's life inside the glove. And we, we can be Christians. We can really live the Christian life when we have the Holy Spirit living in us, okay? So when we say go out and make disciples or we say go and tell people about Jesus, we need to remember not just all the things in our brain that we remember, all these scriptures that we've memorized in Awana and all these stories we've learned in Sunday school and all these good things. We need to remember God goes with us and it's in his power that we do these things. It's hard to say, I'm sorry. It's hard to forgive people but it's the power of God working in us that lets us do these things. Does that make sense? 
Does it make sense that the glove doesn't work by itself? You have to put your hand in? All right. It makes sense. And we don't just work on our own accord, but we work through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these children who are here this morning. Lord, help us to really understand what it means to have Christ live through us. That he comes, he comes in us and lives through us. Your Holy Spirit is what empowers us to complete the Great Commission, to go out and share the gospel, the good news of Jesus. So, Lord, let us be in tune to the Holy Spirit today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. you down because I mean I was watching you dance up there leading that music I'm worried man you, 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 I might dance down this pit are you okay huh? did y'all see him huh did you see him leading that choir number that's good I like that Curtis I really did well where was I uh first Corinthians chapter number 12 that's where we're going to be looking together uh, today, and uh, I'm glad Curtis can take a joke, and uh, y'all know he can sure he can sure hash it out. 
huh? Can't you? That's right. So I know, I know it's coming. I know it's coming. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's look together at 12 through 27 this morning. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, and having been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I am not of the body, is therefore not, is it not therefore part of the body? If the ear should say, because I have, am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the spelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Now, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be the weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable on these, we bestow great honor, and our unpresentable uh, parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, and there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, you are the body of Christ and members individually. Father, in Jesus' name, once again, we ask you to help us to get into the mind and the heart of the Apostle Paul as he addressed the church at Corinth. We ask you, Lord, to help us to see what your blessed Holy Spirit was saying to him and is saying to us this morning. Help us to be able to apply this to us corporately as a church, but individually as part of the body of Christ. We pray, Father, today, if there's any here that knows not what it is to know Jesus, and to be a part of his body, today would be the day they could come to know it. Lord, if we have any uh, confusion with our own minds and our hearts as to where we fit into the body, I pray today, Lord, you give us clarity. Speak, Lord, I pray. May Jesus be uplifted in his name. I pray this prayer. Amen. There's a restaurant in Chattanooga, Tennessee. It's a little off Main Street. It's called Griffin's Famous Footlongs. Anybody ever eaten there? Well, I did once. <laughs> it wasn't that the footlongs were not good because they were. 
But I went there at an invitation of a fellow preacher. He said, I, I want you to observe while you're here uh, the surroundings of this restaurant. And as we're sitting there eating those footlongs, across the street from Griffin's, there's a little storefront church by the name of First Corinthian Baptist Church. And he said, what do you think about that? I said, I think if I was going to name a church after some church in, in the New Testament, I probably would not have chosen the church at Corinth. <laughs> Amen. But that's a true story. Check me out. And, and uh, next time you're in Chattanooga, it'd be worth uh, your, your, uh, your trouble to go and check me out and see if I tell you the truth. Now, the Corinthian church that we are looking at, that Paul is addressing here, uh, they had some problems. And their problems stem from the culture from which they lived, but also their problems extended out with just the fact that there was some spiritual immaturity within the body. As we looked last week, we talked about those that are strong within the body of Christ, those that are weak within the body of Christ, that were on different levels, that many have, have stepped forward and moved from the day that they accepted Christ as their Savior and they've grown in their discipleship process and uh, becoming more like Jesus every day, while others still at that entry level. But we're all within the body. And we, we call that e paribus unum, that uh, out of many, we're one. We're one body. I'll never forget how much this meant to me coming from uh, a home where the church was not part of our lives. And when I met Jesus as my Lord and my Savior, not only did I become a Christian, but boy, I became a member of that local church where I gave my heart to Jesus. That was so good for me because it was there that I met godly men in particular, it was there then that I, that I had people that encouraged me, that built me up, that edified me, that, that discipled me through that process. I felt in just a short period of time, hey, I belong here. I belong here. Now, while I was in that process, I can well remember looking up and thinking, as I sat on the back row uh, with my bleached blonde hair, um, and had uh, been spinning my tires out of the churchyard when I would leave. Uh, and now, here I am, a Christian, still had bleach blonde hair. If you do it, you, you live with it. Uh, and that's what happens in the end. But uh, so here I was, and I began to, more and more that I got involved, the more and more that I learned, I found myself just beginning to move kind of quietly up toward the front and particularly in a men's Sunday school class where I was. And it was in that men's Sunday school class that there was a lesson that was taught very similar to what I'm going to teach here today. When a person is saved, we are given specific gifts. It's called a kairos gift. And we, we're given at least one. You're given at least one many 
Some people have many kairos gifts, many spiritual gifts. We identify those, uh, we discover them, then we, we begin to develop those, and then once we discover them and develop those, then we deploy them within the body. We put them to work. And one of the major issues in the church at, at Corinth was this. There were rifts and there was divisions within this body of Christ that had to do with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, when a person is saved, they're given a specific gift, at least one, and we're supposed to use that as a blessing and an edification and an encouragement to everyone. But in Corinth, some of them uh, who that had considered to be lesser gifts, they began to look at their gifts and think they were lesser. They became jealous of those that they considered to have greater gifts. And likewise, you know, some would be flashy with their giftedness. Some would be upfront uh, with their gifts. They would be seen by the body. And they tended to look down, some of them, to those that were behind the scenes, those that were in the trenches, those that were serving in other places in the church. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul spoke to that fractured fellowship about the fact that there's really no big eyes, that there is no little use, there is no little me's, and there's no big V's there. So in this church family, Paul used the illustration that I read of the human body. Now, Paul says that the, when we come into the body of Christ, it's mystical, isn't it? It's mystical how one day you're out, then the next day you accept Jesus, and then you find yourself within the body of Christ. That was the coolest thing for me. One day I'm not, one next day I am. Okay, it's just mystical, the whole aspect of now I'm a part of the body of Christ. Now, in the end, Paul's goal for that church and for all churches is, is, is we read this letter here together. The members should have the same, look at it, they should have the same care for one another. What we learn in this text is everybody in the body is somebody. And say it with me. Everybody in the body is somebody. Now think through this passage with me this morning. The Spirit of God, may he speak to us. May he speak in and through me to our hearts today so that we can learn, first of all, no one should feel insignificant in the body. Now in our country, particular in today, there's a great emphasis, isn't there, upon the 1%. There's the 1%, and then there's talk about there's a shrinking middle class. And then there's a talk about that there's the poor. Because we, we look at things, and we look at it economically and different classes, but in the church, listen to me, in the church, all classes, whether you're eth the ethnic class, social class, economic class, we're all made up of different people, but nonetheless, <laughs> one people. One people. Now, that's what Paul explains in verse 12, and then in verse 13 he says, For by one spirit 
we're all baptized in one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. In other words, when each of us are saved by God's grace, everybody saved by God's grace, the same Holy Spirit then births us into the family of God and then came to live inside of all of us. Came to live inside all of us. The ground not only is level at the foot of the cross, it is level in the family of God. Can I get an amen? But while we're all equal members of the same body, we don't have the same gifts. Some have more prominent roles. Some have more public roles and gifts than others do. And because of that, someone who has less visible gifts may think they're not important. That is absolutely wrong. Absolutely. No debate. That is absolutely wrong. No one should think that they're insignificant in the body. That's what Paul tried to stress to the Corinthians in the passage. Now notice what he said. One thing, you have, you have a viable place in this body. And he uses that illustration, that physical body, and notice what he says. If the foot says, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Continuing, he says, and he says, if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? So a very colorful illustration that the Apostle Paul gives, and he's imagining. I love to get inside Paul's mind sometimes. <laughs> and, and I believe that he's just imagining right here that... Uh, I'm all the way down here on the ground, the foot says. I'm covered up with socks and shoes. And as I'm down here, there's the hand. Well, look, the preacher just used the hand because his beautiful hair and his beard and, and his hand point but I'm just down there got my sock got my shoe on I'm out of sight and so he's saying here the apostle Paul the hand is up there it's touching stuff it's turning stuff and I, I'm, I'm just really not part of the body because I'm hid away down here with my sock and my shoe likewise the ear says all I do is hear sound the eye, it looks around, it sees colors, it sees lights. Everybody looks right in the eye at someone. They don't even look at me, even when they're talking to me. I mean, when's the last time you just talk to somebody and you stare at their ear? Now you look at them in the eye, right? And so, I mean, being sort of humorous, with what he's saying right here, but it's right on. Of course, you see, you recognize despite the foot, 
and despite the ear's low self-esteem, they are much as part of the body as any part of the body. Now, if they pout, if they protest about that, say that's wrong. Say it. Say if I pout, if I protest, I'm wrong. Now look what he's doing. He's getting right where we live. God has placed us in the body. He gives us the gifts unique to the body. And no amount, listen, no amount of self-pity can change the fact that you're not viable in the body of Christ. None. Now, second thing, you're valuable. You have a valuable place in the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? Point's clear right here. If the body were just an eye, it could have not function. It could not function. If it were only an ear, it could not exist and live. Each part of the body is important and viable. Just Friday, I think it was, Warren Wiersbe passed away. He was the layman's teacher, Bible teacher. He was the pastor's pastor. I know you've studied perhaps many of you after Warren Wiersbe, the B series. Here's what he says. The body needs different functions if it's to live. I suppose I could learn to walk with my hands, but I prefer to use my feet. The ear cannot see, and the eye cannot hear. Yet each organ has an important ministry. And have you ever tried to smell through your ears? That was the end of the quote of Warren Wiersbe about this particular passage. You know, you can sit and say, I can't preach like the preacher. I can't sing like the singer. I can't deek like the deacon. I, I can't teach like the teacher. And, and you can do all this, and you think this in your mind, and you say, well, why didn't God make me more like him? The reality is that you're complaining. You're complaining and of your insignificance of your inadequacy in your mind, in your heart. But here's where I want you to understand. You're actually directing all of your complaints and saying that you're inadequate to God. You're saying, God, you made a mistake with me. No. God has gifted you uniquely. Will there ever be another Warren Wiersbe? Well, it's hard for me to see it. But there will be. There probably is already for the generations to come, those that are the great theologians and writers. But for me, it's hard for me to fathom. Anybody that was just 
gifted as he was. Where and how you fit in the body of believers is not ultimately a matter of personality. It's not a matter of politics. It's divine providence. Divine providence. God made you. God saves you. God gifts you. And, and he has given you a function. So when you're not satisfied with your place in the body, you're actually not satisfied with what God has and is doing in your life. So I say get off your pity party. Focus on him. Let him develop that gift that he's given you. And then you deploy it within the body. Use it for his honor and his glory. And, and I, I really believe that I can honestly say this, you'll be given another gift. You be, you be a good steward of what he's given you, and God will use you even greater. Use you even greater. Number two, no one should feel independent from the body. On the one hand, in Corinth there, you had some folks that didn't think enough of themselves, but look at verse 20. He restates the overall point, but now they, many members, yet one body, having reloaded his gun now. He's reloading his gun. He, he, he then took a loving shot at those that thought that their spiritual gifts were the only ones that mattered. Notice what he said. Apart from the work of others, you're helpless. You're helpless. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No more than the first group could say, we we're not needed. Could the second group say, we don't need you. The eye can't look down at the hand and say, I, I see it just fine, I don't need you to grab it and get it for me. The head can't say to the feet, I, I know where I need to go. I will put uh, you there without, without you helping. That's foolish. That's foolish to think that way. Likewise, in a church, those people who lead and those people who stand in the front of the body are foolish to think that those who stand behind them are not important, are necessary to the work of God and call all of them to a specific task. Paul illustrates this further. He says, Nay, much more, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. In other words, those folks who are not visible perhaps are more vital to the health and the life of the church than those that are always up front. Think about it this way. Inside here is a heart. And that heart is very necessary to the body. Get inside what he's saying right here. It beats. Can it survive outside the body? It wasn't meant to be. You see, it was meant to be hidden inside the body under bone and skin. There it is. And yet, now you may survive having your nose cut off. 
you'd not make it without your heart if your heart was cut out. Do you see the point the Spirit of God's making here? I must know as pastor that while I am out front every Sunday preaching the sermon, leading the service, the real heartbeat of the church may be some dear senior saint of God who prays that what I preach makes sense to other members of the body in the service. Preachers are a dime a dozen. They're a dime a dozen, but prayer warriors, they're a gift to God's church. I shall never forget going to a relatively local church and God just began to just pour out blessings people saying in their service, their service local newspaper came and wanted to know what we were doing I'm just going down to seminary I said all I know is I'm just preaching about Jesus and people are getting saved come to find out there have been 12 women they had meet, been meeting at that church on Monday mornings for three hours every Monday morning for one solid year before I got there. And I was reaping the harvest of those prayer warriors. I still accredit those fruitful days to those 12 women. Some of them have died and gone on to glory. But you know, never think that when you're praying that it's not needed and that it's not important within the body. There are parts of the body that everybody sees and there are parts of the body that not everybody sees. But what they do is more valuable than it looks sometimes. John MacArthur makes the application very clear. He said, every sensible person is more concerned with his heart than he is his hair. <laughs> should we comb our hair? <laughs> I guess if you've got it, you should. But we all know that it's the arm that reaches down and gets the brush and it's the heart that pumps the blood to the arm. And more important to, to your life than the way you part your hair and how you style it is your heart. I know I need to preach the Word of God on Sunday. I need to do it correctly and clearly and consistently. But I also know that there's, there's a nursery worker right now that's making it possible for some of you to be in here. Uh, for me to do this and for you to be in here so that you can hear the word of God and, and I know that I'm not, you don't come because I'm so dynamic but you come because some Sunday school teacher has reached out to you and has encouraged you to be here and do you need a pastor? Do you need a pastor? Yes, but a pastor needs you just as badly as you need him. Notice number three. No one should feel indifferent 
to the body. I need you, you need me, we all need each other. A body needs an eye, but it also needs an ear. But the ear and the eye need a heart. God made us who we are, what we are in the church, that so in our diversity, we're also a necessity to each other. Understanding that truth, you and I better care for one another. That's what he says. You better care for one another. No more than you can afford to lose an arm, an eye, or a lung can you afford to be divided and separated from one another. Notice what the Word of God says about this. One thing it says, how we must look at one another. God, this sovereign wisdom made us who we are, placed us where we need to be. And then he says, verse 25, not so we should fight about who is better and who is more valuable, but there be no schism schism in the body. He's saying, rather than chopping ourselves into pieces, and rather than arguing about which one is more needed, we as members of the church ought to have the same care one for another. Notice that word care. It's translated from a word that speaks of anxiousness. This first, the idea and the concern for one another, we ought to be concerned for the fellow who turns the microphone on back there. As much as the guy that's standing up here with the microphone on his chest or his head. We ought to see how valuable it is those that teach the Awanas. You are going to be back tonight, aren't you, for the award ceremony? Say I am. Say it again. How about this side? Y'all coming? Y'all coming? I guess y'all are the only ones coming. All right. So, so tonight for the award ceremony. All right. Now, as we look at this, as we look at one another, which leads them to how to live for one another, would be the second thing I want you to see. If we see the value in every part of the body, and we look after the uh, after the more private workers as much as we do the more prominent workers right there, then, the, then we'll be more, hey listen, we'll be more than an organization. We'll be an organism. Sometimes we get off constitution, bylaws, nitpick, nitpick, do this, do this, don't do this, do that. That's organization. Organism is the spirit of God saying to our minds and our hearts, is this how Jesus would do it? It's quiet in here. Did you notice that? It's hard, folks, to sometimes walk away from what we know as our organization to his mystical organism the church 
the blood-bought church, empowered and oversought and infused by the Spirit of God, got to learn to live with one another rather than cliques or competing groups. Here it is. Everybody in the body is somebody. When we all, when one weeps, we all weep. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. This is a flawed illustration, but I like baseball, so live with me. If somebody hits the game-winning walk-off home run, the whole team runs out there and jumps up and down, waiting to greet the one who just hit the home run. Am I right? If one of our members gets attacked on the field, The whole bench clears to go out there and help that team member, right? Well, that's my illustration. It's got some flaws to it, I understand. But with that, with that in mind, let me close this way. We've got to remember just whose body we are. Jesus. We're his body. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Think about that phrase, the body of Christ. It speaks of you and me as the church. But there was a time when Jesus walked this earth in a physical body. And he walked this church, uh, this earth in a physical body. We know that he was born from the womb of a virgin. That he lived among real, live people. And he had a real, live, breathing body. And that body was a, was a perfect, precious body. The eyes of Jesus always looked at the world with the compassion of God. The heart of Jesus moved through the world with the love of God. The hands of Jesus touched and healed by the power of God. And the feet of Jesus always walked in the will of God, including the day that he had to walk that shameful sin curse uh, blood-soaked cross that he had to come to do what he was sent to do. And there the Lord laid down his sinless body on a tree, shed his sinless blood for the sake of sinners like you and me. He then rose from the dead. He then ascended into heaven and now because of what he did in his earthly body, you and I, listen, we have the privilege, the undeserved, unparalleled privilege to be his spiritual body here on this earth. 
we got different roles and responsibilities in the body, but we all have the same living head, and Jesus is the head of the body, and we're all tied together by the lordship that he has over us. Look around you. One is the eye. One's the hand. One's the foot. But the whole body's been washed in the same blood and saved by the same Lord Jesus. Everybody in the body is somebody. And the only one that should have preeminence is the one who saved us all. To him be glory in his body. Amen. Are you a part of the body? You can be. By trusting Christ as your Savior, your Lord, to walk from your sin, to trust him through his death and burial and resurrection to save you today. Gloriously, mysteriously, then he places you within the body. You begin to grow by making a public profession of faith, by being baptized, by being discipled. You'll begin to discover as you read your Bible, hey, I've got this gift. I want to know more about this gift. I want somebody to mentor me in this gift. And I want to use this gift for the body. How many of you love Jesus today? Amen. How many of you love his church today? Amen. I'm asking you to do something for Jesus, not for me. Let's stand. We're going to sing. I invite you to come. BJ's going to join me. If you'd like to join the church today, you come. If you'd like to give your life to Christ, you come. you'd like to come pray, today you come. Any other decision that you know will honor Jesus, you come right now.
just a few moments while Ann continues to play. You got a decision to make for Christ and the Lord's speaking to your heart now. Don't let this, this moment, your moment, that God's speaking to you. You come. Be obedient to what he's telling you to do. Come unite with the church. Give your heart to Christ. Recommit yourself to him. Come and pray. As the Lord speaks. I tell you from personal experience, it's through our obedience to when the Spirit speaks to us that the blessings come. So will you come? One last verse. No one comes will close the invitation. Jesus is tenderly calling me home, calling today, calling today. Fly from the sunshine of love wilt thou roam, farther and farther away. Calling today, calling today. Jesus is Thank you so much. I want to uh, ask you to be seated for just just a moment. Uh, a little un unusual. I have several announcements today. That doesn't 